Welcome to a feature on unexpected inspiration fuels Renee's and Jim's passion and influence. Their chief fun officer and best friend in 2006 was diagnosed with a deadly bone cancer, Jerry. It seemed impossible that our best friend and hiking partner could cope on three legs. And yet, Renee asked a question to Jim and said, hey, what do you think about taking a road trip? That road trip led Renee, Jim, and Jerry to an adventure of a lifetime they never imagined. They left their marketing firm and sold everything and hit the road with their dog, Jerry, in a new fifth wheel back in 2007 and have been working from home wherever they park it ever since. This adventure led them to purpose with creating a free resource for others who walk through what they did, a feature on PBS, a number one release on Amazon with their book, Be More Dog, Learning to Live in the Now, and a feature on the Gail King show About 10 years ago, where Oprah told Gail, I love how they got in their RV and did it for their dog, Jerry. They've been featured on numerous press outlets and media, conferences, helping pet bloggers build their business. They are the creators of Tripods, Live, Work, Dream, and Be More Dog. And Renee and Jim are driven by purpose and serving thousands of others. Welcome to the show, Jim and Renee. Oh, thank you for having us, Katrina. It's so great to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you guys. So what else do you want to share about your story? I know I highlighted so many incredible things first, and or what is life like for you in this moment right now in 2020? That is quite an introduction you gave us. And I I, I just want to say thank you. That was really, really sweet. And you know, when I think about our, our life as it's been for the last 13 years and it is now, um, sometimes I can't really believe it myself. I mean, we kind of, we've always lived in this weird reality where um, when people ask, what do you do for a living? And we say, well, we uh, we help three-legged dogs and cats and and they're people and, and they kind of look at us funny. Um, sometimes I wonder, are we, are we really doing this? I mean, wow. Um, right now, our, our life is... Uh, we are like everybody else. We're not we're not going anywhere anytime soon. We're we're hanging out and and doing our thing, continuing to help our community and and just taking it day by day. Um all of the lessons that we've learned in the last 13 years have really come to help us during this crazy time. Well, I, I would add that we're we're like everyone else in the sense that we're dealing with the same societal issues right now. But technically and logistically speaking, life at home is really no different for us. We've always worked from home. We don't get out much. So I really feel for all the people out there whose worlds are turned upside down and all of a sudden they're at home and all of the, you know, Renee and I are joined at the hip for the past 20 plus years. People that are now, you know, quote unquote, sequestering or stuck at home and all of a sudden they're spending more time with their spouses and and family and, you know, can't leave the home. I feel Mm -hmm. for them because their lives have turned upside down where ours are, you know, ours is pretty much the same, but we're all coping with the same issues out there in this scary world these days. No, absolutely. I love, uh, Renee, what you talked about that the lessons learned day by day, which I know we're going to get into those even deeper because similar to you guys, I feel like 
you know, for those of us that have already been entrepreneurs, you know, or on the road travelers or whatever the case is, you've already had the adjustment process, right? Mm-hmm. You've already had oh, the yeah. adjustment mm-hmm. process into life together, into business, into whatever it looks like work from home. Versus now, I feel like so many people, you know, are going through a transformation literally in a week, in a month, in two months that took us years to, you know, they're oh, being. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good point. These, you know, this lifestyle took time to get used to. I mean, we originally planned for a year off. So we were kind of on vacation there for a while and, you know, it took time to get used to it. Whereas, you know, today, if I was just kind of thrown into it and all of a sudden have to Mm -hmm. change my work style and that sort of thing, I could see how challenging that would be. No, absolutely. Which leads me to, you know, what was like, what was life like before Jerry? Like, who were you as people? (laughs) What was the marketing firm like? What was your relationship like? Um, to really tie that in and relate to what a lot of people are going through that you've been there. We were just like everybody else. When, when we met in San Francisco, um, we were typical city people, you know, we'd, we'd go to work and just get irritated by traffic and, and too many people and, and not even recognizing that we were part of that, (laughs) you know, everybody, everybody was our problem. Um, we had jobs that we kind of liked, but you know, they, they were just jobs really. Um. I had a, a really great commute in San Francisco, but Jim had this horrific commute to the Silicon Valley from downtown San Francisco. And and so every day was just kind of a struggle. And we knew that something had to change, but we didn't know what. And all we knew was that the city life was getting on our nerves and we liked being out in nature. We liked going on backpacking trips and camping and things like that. So we said, you know, let's let's get out of this rat race and and go see what our money can buy up north. And up north was a six hour drive to Humboldt County in Eureka, California, just south of the Oregon border. We looked up there and saw that all of the money that we worked so hard to save for a house could get us so much more up there. Mm-hmm. So we said, you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's let's take this leap and and move and. Of course, the first question was, how are we going to make a living? <laughs> I mean, you know, there aren't a lot of jobs out there. It was a pretty depressed economy back then. And mm-hmm. we uh, we kind of looked at each other and said, well, what can we do really well right now? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jim Jim's main talent was he was Mr. Marketing and Graphic Designer. That's what he mm-hmm. was doing in the Silicon Valley. And I was an admin assistant, marketing assistant for lots of years in San Francisco mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. together we're like, hey, that's pretty much what you need to run a small business. Um, so we we bought this house and we found a need in the local community for large format printing. We said, what can we do that nobody else is doing up here? Nobody's making trade show graphics and retail displays. All right, let's do that. We also knew we couldn't make a living from the local economy. So Jim continued to nurture his clients down south. Yeah, the the caliber of clientele that I was used to in my what I call the default life. I was a marketing communications manager in Silicon Valley in the heyday. And we moved to this remote location and the people who say I need a banner, I'd ask them uh, why or, you know, get into the whole branding concept and what kind of events are you doing? And 
so I was continuing to pursue clients in the Bay Area, overseas, on the East Coast, and still living in that fast-paced event marketing world, you know, flying out to do trade show installations and driving down to the Bay Area often. And Renee was, you know, kind of home alone managing the business. And we had this little production facility in our office. So we were kind of had our feet in both camps. We were living the idyllic lifestyle with Redwoods in the backyard, but I was still working our butts off. We were both working our butts off in a totally different world. And there was an event that happened. Um, it was at Macworld one year where I was out of town and Renee was home alone and our truck in the city got broken into. And the, our phone number wow. was on the side of the truck because we, you know, post graphics on the side of our truck. And Renee gets a phone call in the middle of the night with some guy mad telling her, you know, get down here and shut off your alarm. And that kind of, you know, with her being a home alone, you know, there was an issue of, you know, kind of safety and security. And when I came home from that trip, she basically said, we need a dog. And all along, I have been saying, I'm not ready for a dog. We work too hard. We got to wait till we have time for a dog. But this event finally led me to cave in per se. And uh, we went to the local shelter and we were looking for a guard dog. So we saw this German shepherd looking dog tearing up a crate in his in his cage there and um turned out um we went home with jerry <laughs> wow wow so much of what you guys said there i was taking notes the whole time so one i love san francisco as a city but i could see where like to your point the commute the busyness like a lot of things it's very different visiting as a tourist you know oh, yeah. or even oh, yeah. versus living there um, I, actually, my first time in San Francisco, I took my mom there for a mother-daughter trip. Like we went, of course, to Palace of Fine Arts, the Japanese Gardens, Chinatown, everything, mm-hmm, Golden Gate, fun. beautiful, um, Sausalito across the bay, um, so many places to visit. So I love that you were already self-aware, that you knew something had to change, but you didn't know what, and you loved you know, nature, you loved backpacking. So a lot of the foundational things were already there into exactly what you do now a lot. And then how I also love how you were talking about that, you know, Renee, you were an admin and you had all these other business experiences. And then Jim, your talent in marketing and graphic design. And literally, you're exactly right. Like all we have is all we need. Like, of course we can learn more. Of course we can get better. But you always have the foundational things of what like your heart is leading you to do. So I love that you pointed that out, that you had exactly what you needed for a small business. And then you were continuing your relationship, you know, as far as Jim, you were talking about with, you know, planting seeds, you know, the marketing manager role, the trade show travel. I've definitely seen and experienced that from a lot of different angles, um, actually, right before this call, I was on a webinar with Sidewalker Daily, where literally that's what like 90% of their you know audience does, like you know traveling as far as for travel, social media, influencer marketing, and then on the other side, brands, you know, helping arrange that. But I realized early on I wanted more of a slower pace of travel, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. a week tree, you know, like in your case, you're going in your RV, whether it's you know a month in one destination, whatever it is. But I've definitely had the super fast travel experiences too. So I can definitely relate to that. And then just to like wrap up your first trigger, like you said that someone broke in the the truck. So the Mm -hmm. truck is literally your livelihood that, you know, you've got the Mm -hmm. banner on the advertisements driving around town. Renee's home alone. 
And finally, it's the the trigger and the point that you say, okay, we need a dog. You go to the shelter. He's, Jerry's tearing up, you know, his location. Yeah. So obviously there was an instant connection there with Jerry. There was. Absolutely. And the irony was that, you know, Jerry was trying to get out of that cage and, and so were we on so many yeah. levels. You Interesting. Know? <laughs> I love that you said that you were trying to get out of the cage because I remember one of my dogs, Pebbles, that I made a decision to adopt. I walk in, you know, the shelter and as we all know, shelters, you know, especially when they're all indoor, like I've seen some that are outdoor here in Atlanta. Yeah. Indoor, you're walking in, they're screaming, there's all this, you know, noise, barking, you know, meowing, depending on what section you're in. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was walking through with my brother and I walked through like three different sections and didn't feel compelled to stop. And then there was this one crate, like like in the back. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, like there was this dog that like, kept like sniffing her nose to the like edge of the crate, right? <laughs> And, you know, the, the uh, volunteer opens it up and there's all these like chows, but then there's this one, like, she looks like a, she looks like a lab and I'm like, wait, is she a chow? Is she a lab? Like, actually they're all chow mixes, but she just happens to look like a lab. And the only way you can tell is off her tongue. And I picked her up and right away, she just like put her head on my shoulder, like in the cranny, the nook and it was a done deal. I was like, oh, this is the one I'm going to home. I'm not asking mom and dad for permission. Like, it's a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always like to say that dogs pick us out. We don't pick yes. them. Yes. So yeah. I can imagine like you had that drive of you want to get out of your cage. And that's exactly what Jerry wanted to do in that moment. I can totally relate with what you're talking about there with Pebbles because um. What was lacking in the city and our previous default life was connection with people. We lived in a building with 24 other people and I didn't know a single one of their names. We'd pass people on the sidewalk and, you know, everyone would avert the eyes. And even, you know, working long distance for people, there was a, you know, it was a lack of connection with others. And what Jerry gave us was a true connection. I, there's a thing, the monks of New Skeet talk about and they are German shepherd experts and they talk Mm -hmm. about in seeing. And I believed that I was able to communicate with Jerry through the way they taught, which was, you know, deeply looking into the eyes and making a connection. And there was just, we developed this understanding. We had a true connection and I got to understand that he was there for a purpose. He was there Mm -hmm. to, you know, help us escape from that cage we were in by getting us out at lunchtime for the full lunch hour and then a little bit more by wanting to play soccer, getting us out every Friday by, you know, he would nudge the door at, at five o'clock. It's time to go. So <laughs> we, we, we promoted him quickly to our chief fun officer. And he, kept, he kept us sane during those busy days. Wow. So this is already when you're running the marketing firm, to your point, you've already left, you know, San yes. Fran and you have Jerry and so I love so much of what you said there, Jim, because the the connection and the community, because in the last couple of places I lived before I moved here, I, it was the same thing, right? Same thing in Houston, same thing in Atlanta, same thing when I traveled a ton. And I had community or I had friends, but I really made it my intention when I moved to this building and to this place. I was like, you know what? I'm going to know my neighbors. I'm going to know their dogs' names. And I'm going to connect with them. And I know like literally over five or 10 of my neighbors, just like right around me. I even walk my dog's neighbor. I mean, my dog's neighbor. Oh my God. I walk my neighbor's dog, Oliver. (laughs) I said it backwards. 
<laughs> sometimes because, right. because I was like, I don't have a dog yet, but I can make friends and I can do something selfless and I can connect with other animals and give myself that moment of joy throughout the day. And so it's like, I love what you were t- saying. Like, you know, Jerry wasn't wearing a watch. He exactly. wasn't like, oh, but he knew like, dude, it's been way too long. Like you need to get outside. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, let's go. Or the fact that he would nudge the door at five o'clock. He did. He would even bang our computer keyboards with his paw. Like when we were not, when we were totally ignoring him, he would come over and go, bam, with his big old paw on our keyboard and be like, let's go. What are you waiting for? And I think he could- Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I think he could see the growing frustration in our faces. You know, maybe we were dealing with a a particularly tough client or job and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, he saw something that, that we didn't, it was just not obvious to us at the time. But he eventually opened our eyes to it. And that's why we called him our CFO, because he, he knew there was something more important than, you know, my paper and my exacto knife and that I I (laughs) hunch over at my desk for hours at a time. And, you know, he got us out there and helped us realize, you know, you got to stop, smell the roses and get out there and Mm -hmm. make the most of every day. How many, when did you, what year was it when you actually got Jerry? It was way back in the day. It was uh, 90, 1998. 99 ish. End of 98, 99. So it was way okay. back. So you had Jerry. And the reason I went back to that, because in the intro, I talked about when he was diagnosed. However, you had Jerry for about seven years before he was diagnosed with, with bone cancer. So talk about how, because I think this is also, one, this is speaking to my heart with the fact that I am getting a dog in 2020. Like that is on the list, period, point blank again. Like, so, and I think that's also speaking to others to create more balance and flow in their life. And like Jerry was, you know, fun, chief fun officer. So talk about those seven years, you know, before he got diagnosed. And like you said, he was, he would nudge the door. He would remind you during lunch. How did that start to get you guys outside more? How did that start to shift you as people, your relationship, all that? Well, you know, it goes back to a, a decision that that Jim and I made when we first met. We met and we we knew instantly that neither one of us wanted kids. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I know it's crazy, but we we just you know that that wasn't our thing, and we said let's have mm-hmm. this life together, but minus the kids. And mm-hmm. Jerry wasn't necessarily a replacement for children, but he got us out of our heads. So mm-hmm. you know he was there to show us that there was so much more than than what we were doing to make money and to you know take care of this house that we had just bought so he would he would get us outside even a walk around the neighborhood would mean st- we would run into somebody uh, a neighbor that we didn't know and and they'd want to meet Jerry and this was before he lost his leg i mean after he, when he lost his leg oh my gosh everybody wanted to meet him but you know, he would draw us out of our shells and get us get us into the world. And we started going on these really fun little short trips with him that got us deeper into nature. Well, for those seven years, um, we were fortunate. That we lived very, no, very close to the beach. And the beach in Eureka is not a Southern California beach. There's no one on the beach. You might have to wear a jacket, mm-hmm. but, you know... Mm-hmm. Every Friday was basically five o'clock, time to go, time to go to the beach. And 
Jerry's favorite words became you wanna. It didn't matter what followed. It meant we were going to go do something other than watch you at your computer. So we'd say, you know, you want to go to the beach. And, and every Friday we'd be going to the beach. And every month or every couple months, we were close enough to the Trinity Mountains where we would backpack and hike quite a bit. We were hiking, you know, you know, 12 mile trips in and out to the woods, spending, you know, five nights in the wilderness in a tent. And Jerry was just in his element. He loved those trips. He knew if the back of the truck opened up, we were going somewhere and he would jump up and, you know, get in the truck and be ready to go no matter what. And it was a part of the Pacific Crest Trail we did in 2007. We went on an extra long hikes, went to a few different lakes. When we came home, Jerry was uh, eight years old at the time. He jumped out of the truck and when he hit the ground, he let out this blood curdling yelp that just was so mm -hmm. frightening and so scary. Um, we were traumatized by it and you know we mm -hmm. took him to a vet and the vet said oh he's got arthritis he's old put him on this and say drug and you know a non-steroidal and that went back and forth for a matter of weeks with this vet refusing to say i don't know you know he had all the big words and all the great equipment and we trusted vets and we didn't mm -hmm. know to get a second opinion until one of his vet techs suggested after like the fourth visit on different you know try different drugs and jerry was still limping she mm -hmm. said, you might want another opinion. Mm -hmm. And when we got that other opinion, that vet came in and sat down and said, I don't know what this is, but it looks odd. And you should mm -hmm. go to UC Davis. That's one of the best medical, veterinary medical teaching hospitals in the country. And mm -hmm. it was six hours away. But, you know, mm -hmm. we owed it to our CFO. We would do anything for him. And when we took him down there, they said, yep, sure enough, this looks like cancer come back and wow. we can do an MRI and, and to determine, you know, where we go from there. But amputation is usually the best way to improve quality of life. Wow. Wow. So at this point, like you guys were sharing, you know, you've had Jerry for years, like Renee shared that, you know, so much more to life, the beach trips, you're obviously shifting as people dramatically mm -hmm. mountains, the Pacific crest trip. And like you said, that point where he jumped and yelled, and you knew there was something. And I think so many times, you know, whether it's with animals or with people, you know, people sometimes will, you know, keep going to the doctor and one doctor. And, you know, like you said, the, some of the most powerful words somebody can say sometimes is, I don't know, mm -hmm. like you, like they've, you know, finally your road led you to, you know, obviously the, you know, the rugs being pulled out under you, your earth, your life is completely shifting. And, you know, and like Renee said, you may both made the decision to not have kids, but Jerry was a member of your family, period. You know, no, however, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he, he really opened our eyes up to the necessity of um, taking charge of, of your, your health and mm -hmm. asking good questions and, mm -hmm. and being also being okay with the, I don't know. And, and instead mm -hmm. of getting frustrated to look for answers. Um, mm -hmm. I, at the time we, we did not really know a whole lot about caring for a dog. We it's like a person with their first child. We were just kind of winging it. And we didn't even know dogs got cancer at that time. I remember reading that in your lessons learned on our show and in, on the blog as well. Like you, and I, like, I wouldn't necessarily know either if I had never heard of other dogs getting cancer at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a huge, a huge wake up call. And 
threw us into this whole other world that that we had never intended to become a part of. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the the cancer we wouldn't know it until a couple of years later, but it it actually did bring us a lot of unexpected learning and growth and I I dare even say gifts because mm-hmm. there's so much that it can teach you about yourself and and about humanity and and how you live your life. Um you just have to be willing to receive those gifts. No, absolutely. And sometimes there's a song that I listen to sometimes that your biggest blessings come through pain. Mm-hmm. And I mean yeah, if you it's so that, true. Even if, you know, how we're born, if you think about it, like, you know, the, like, obviously, like in your case, like you said, you guys made the decision to not have kids, but let's, whether it's a human or an animal or a dog, you know, a woman carries, you know, a baby for nine months. And then there's a lot of pain before the blessing comes out. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, a female dog, if she's carrying a litter of puppies, like I've personally gotten to deliver a litter of puppies when I was babysitting one night. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a German shepherd actually. Oh, You took me back to when I used to babysit for Corey. It was a late, I worked at an oncologist's office when I was in high school. And I, it was like my family for like two, three years, like my side, like second family. And one of the ladies that worked there, Joe, Joanna, she used to have me, her and her husband, Dane, used to have me babysit their little boy, Corey. And they had a German Shepherd and she got pregnant. And one time I was babysitting for her, I got to deliver puppies. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about adventures and babysitting, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so you guys have, you know, Jerry gets diagnosed. Um, you end up going to this, um, you know, the university hospital or UC, it was UC Davis. Davis. UC Davis. That's right. UC Davis. And um, they give you that they think it's cancer and amputation is usually the best recommendation. So then you walk me through what happens next and ultimately Renee's question in the leap of faith on taking the road trip. Well, when, when doctors told us that taking his leg off would be the most appropriate way to help him get out of the pain, but that it would not get rid of the cancer, we were mm-hmm. like, well, what, what's the point? Oh my God. Are you telling mm-hmm. me my dog's going to be completely handicapped, but he's going to feel better? How, how is that going to happen? Um, it, it kind of just threw us for a loop because as people, we associate limb loss with just depression and a horrible way to live. And how could anybody go through that willingly? How could we do it to a dog that doesn't even have a choice in the matter? So we really debated between us when, when that option was, was given to us. Of course, that debate didn't last very long because the only other option was, or you could put him down. And and the vet didn't quite oh, wow. put it like that, but you know, it, it, basically that was it. That was our choice. Um, and and Jim and I looked at Jerry, and we just knew that he wasn't ready to go anywhere. He just had this really painful leg that we needed to do something about. So we we researched it, and and back then, you know, the internet was it was there, but there was not a lot of um, information that you would find today, of course, and. We just wanted a sign of hope. We're like, let's let's look for photos or, or videos. Let's see what a life is like for a dog with without a, a fourth leg, a spare leg, mm-hmm. as we later came to to know. Um, but we we did some some hunting around, and we found this video on YouTube of a Great Dane, and the Great Dane was missing a front leg, and he was digging around for gophers, and that 
big old great dane he was he's going up and down and digging this hole and his ears were flopping around and he looked so joyful and you could hear his person in the background going go get him go get the moose (laughs) go get go get the gophers moose and and we're like whoa that dog is twice as big as jerry oh my god and look at how happy he is and all of a sudden that that was exactly what we saw we were like there's just joy that dog's not concerned about am i going to be sore tomorrow is this you know am i going to pay the price for this crazy stunt no the dog was just having a great time right in the moment and at that point jim and i pretty much knew that we were going to go ahead with the amputation um there was a, a, a CT scan that needed to happen, though, before we knew for sure if that was even a possibility because the vets wanted to find out if the cancer had spread any further. Mm-hmm. So we uh, took Jerry back to the hospital for the CT scan, and they said if he's if the cancer seems like like we can do something about it and get rid of that leg, and it's not anywhere else in his body, you know, we can do it right then while he's still under anesthesia. And we said, yeah, great, let's let's do it. Well, there was also the doctor said, or we could just not wake him up. And that hit me so hard. I, you know, I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. He's not ready to go. And that mm-hmm. kind of put us over the edge to proceed with this unknown because we had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and meanwhile, we in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what are people going to say about this is crazy. Look what we were driving six hours for vet care and we're going to spend a few thousand dollars on this. And I just kept thinking, I can hear my parents right now. Oh my (laughs) God. You know how many dogs you could buy for that amount of money. And I mean, it was just, it seemed so extreme, but to us, it was like, it was a no brainer. Well, meanwhile, I was thinking, how's he going to go to the bathroom? How's he going to, we're never going to hike again. Oh, he loves to swim. He's not, how is he going to swim? So we had all these unknowns. And then on Thanksgiving day, 2006, the vet comes back into the hospital to release Jerry. And he came hopping down the hallway with a smile on his face. Not, not the vet, the dog, Jerry. <laughs> well, the vet was smiling. Too. I was expecting a gurney and tubes connected to him and big bandages. He wasn't bandaged, so the the scar looked rather gruesome. But the first thing that mm-hmm. caught my eye was Jerry's eyes. We connected once again, and it was almost as if he said thank you. It's like he was free mm-hmm. of that pain. Sure, there was surgery pain, but that's only gonna that's gonna get better and be gone in a couple of weeks. Whereas the tumor pain would have just keep getting worse and eventually rupture. Wow. So much of what you guys said, and I can imagine like, obviously like the emotions, all the things that you're going through from, you know, like you said, like, do you amputate? And it's like, step by step, you're literally taking things moment by moment because information is changing. You're having to face different things. You're looking for different things. You're looking for a sign of hope. Like I love the great day and the image of the digging for gophers. And I think like taking this story And just reflecting on, you know, so much of what you said that, you know, the Dane was twice as big and happy. And so you had the confirmation to go. And especially something that both of you said, like on one side, Renee, you were saying the sign of hope, right? Mm -hmm. And then you said the unknown. 
And I think so much of what people are walking through right now, whether, you know, they are sick with COVID, whether that loved one is sick with COVID, like I've, you know, walked through some friends that have been impacted, whether they are financially impacted, whether, you know, they are at home by themselves or whether they're home surrounded by family, whether they're having to adjust to working from home, whatever it is, it's, you know, people are looking for a sign of hope. People are looking for you know, dealing with the unknown and, you know, and let's be real, you know, we, and I'm sure you guys face this, obviously you face this with Jerry uh, and, and your transitions and through so many things from, you know, San Fran to the marketing firm, to what you've created now that we think we're in control and control is an illusion. You know, we are faced with so many things that make us realize Hey, like, and I love what you talked about in your lessons learned, Renee, on, you know, and Jim, when you were going back and forth on being present, being resilient, you know, and so many different things. And of course we're human. So of course you were thinking, Jim, of, you know, how is he going to deal with the practical? How is he going to swim? How is he going to do this? How is he going to do that? Because those are natural human emotions, but you didn't get stuck there. Because he didn't either or either. And, you know, he kind of showed us that, you know, the one of the biggest lessons he taught us right off the bat was resilience and, and adaptability mm -hmm. because he woke up with one less leg and he realized, oh, I need to adjust my stance and adjust my gait and go about my life because I'm a dog. And he went on and he learned how to balance and go to the bathroom. And eventually when he was all healed up, he got to swim again. And it was just a matter of um, seeing the hope. You, you talk about um, the hope that's, you know, we don't see the hope, but it's always there. It's like the sun above the dark cloud. The sun is still shining. We just need to open our eyes to be able to find it, to clear a path through those clouds to see it. And Jerry was ours. You reminded me of two things, um, Jim. So I didn't even think I was going to share this on this episode. I didn't even think it was going to be relevant, but it is. I broke my foot surfing back in oh, ouch. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. The first time I broke a limb, I'm very adventurous. And so when you were speaking about that, um, and I was imagining, you know, Jerry hopping down, you know, in the hospital or later swimming, or like, of course, in the pictures that I've seen and that are on the lessons learned episode and blog. So when I broke my foot surfing, I immediately thought to myself, I'm like, you know what, I can sit here and focus on all the things I can't do, because it was a spiral fracture for the next two, three months. And I thought, you know, in my naive state, I thought, oh, this is going to be fine in a week or two. You know, just like a lot of people are dealing with emotions or they originally thought, you know, with this crisis. And I said, I realized very quickly from the doctor and the chiropractor that, no, this is like a two, three, four month affair. And I said, I can either focus on all the things I can't do, or I can focus on all the things I can. And I can focus on gratitude. I can focus on joy on the neighbors. So I love that you drew that into Jerry's story and all the things he started to teach you. And then I love also that you talked about the sun beyond the clouds. And I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Unconditional. And no. it's an incredible story. It is about, it's, it's based on a book and it's based on a children's writer who loses her husband. And um, she ends up reuniting with her childhood, like best friend and adventures they used to have in the, you know, in the forest. And one time where he got bit by a snake and she saved his life. And one line in, in, in her one line, he says to her, and she ends up writing um, 
an extension of it in her, one of her children's books. He says, you know, it's not a dead end if it took you where you needed to go. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love and that. And I feel like that's absolutely Jerry's story and his legacy. And then I love that what you said, Jim, about the sun beyond the clouds, because that's literally, she writes this story. And I have this, I have the children's book that's um, from that movie. It's about a bird. And literally like in the story, she says, she writes that the sun was always, that the mother bird keeps telling the bird, keep flying, keep flying through the storm, keep going, keep going, keep going. And finally he breaks through the storm in the clouds and he sees that the sun was always there. It's, it never left. It's always been there. Aww. Yeah. What a it's great a beautiful story. I cry every time I watch that movie. It's so powerful. So you guys see Jerry come out of the hospital. He's focused on joy. You start doing activities, swimming. So talk about Renee, like when you decided, hey, what do you think? And you asked Jim, what do you think about taking a road trip? <laughs> well, we had uh, we had been through some some other life changes before the the amputation. Um we have, we're in the process of of renovating a hundred year old Victorian house <laughs> for the last two years, right before he he lost his leg. And if that uh, is a test, I don't I don't know what is if it isn't a test, but <laughs> it was um, it was crazy. And we survived that just barely, but we were so spent emotionally and financially from from that project. And then our business was at a point where we could only go so far with the interns from the local university that we brought in. We knew we had to hire employees if we wanted to see it grow any further. It was, mm-hmm. it was doing really well, even through the, the first uh, downturn after 9-11. And we were very fortunate for that, but we, we knew we were tired of it. We just knew. We were like, it's been 10 years. I want to do something different. I'm, I went to school for journalism. I'd always wanted to be a writer. And I was writing a little bit in our our current uh, business. I was, but it was marketing materials and and promotional things for businesses. My heart just wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when um, over about the the year before that Jerry lost his leg, we had kind of bounced around ideas of, about selling the business, but never came up with any kind of concrete plan. Mm-hmm. Once Jerry lost his leg, and the vets put a time frame on his survival, they said. We're going to take that leg, but in a best case scenario, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're going to get six months with him. And we were like, what? Are you kidding? He's going to go through all this for six months? But we said, well, you know, what can we do in that six months? Maybe we can actually do what we've always wanted to do, which is just take some time off and, and travel a little bit. And I just started thinking about different ideas about how we could pay Jerry back for so many years of just being dedicated and never complaining about the long hours that we worked. So I, I thought, well, let's let's take him on a road trip and and let's see where that where that goes. Maybe we can find a new place to live or to a new business that might excite us a little more than what we're doing now. I don't know. So I, I thought about how we would do that. And I thought, well, an RV, you know, I, we both liked camping anyway. So we were both kind of hippie granola in that sense. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, and this is somebody, I, let me just get this story straight. I grew up in Southern California. I was a hair and makeup girl from the time I was a, a little tween. And um, so over the course of the next 
10, 15 years, you know, our transition to these hippie granola Northern California types was kind of shocking to everybody. But uh, when the RV idea popped into my head, I said, let's, let's do that. Let's just get an RV and travel around with him. So I get Jim outside one day and I put a cocktail in his hand and I said, Hey, I gotta, I gotta talk to you about something. And Jerry was doing pretty well at that point. He had already been a, been an amputee for, uh, I don't know what, about months, a couple months. of months. Mm-hmm. And I just, I told Jim, we need, we need to do something really drastic. We need this. This is just, I don't like where, where things are going right now. I don't want Jerry, if he's only got a few months left, I don't want that to be spent sitting on the floor of our office. I want to, mm-hmm. I want us to go have fun. So I said, let's, let's, what do you think about taking a road trip? And he looked at me and he was like, what? What do you, like a weekend? And I'm like, no. Well, it was more than that. You said, let's buy an RV. Let's sell the house. Let's sell the business. Let's turn our world upside <laughs> I down. I got pretty excited. Um, surprisingly, it didn't take me long to agree because I didn't want to spend Jerry's last six months driving six hours each way every few weeks for chemotherapy and you know not enjoying time at the beach and going out and meeting people. In the meantime, I had, like Renee said, gotten pretty burnt out on the business primarily because we had built a pretty lucrative operation. We were busy and the money was good. But I was sick of doing it for the money. It, I mean, I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. I used to be because I loved the projects, but then they were all the same and they were all for other people. So in a matter of minutes, by the time we finished our drinks, I said, okay, make it happen. And she's amazing. She bought books and she put a big chart up and she helped budget and plan this sabbatical for a year off. That's what it was going to be. And I agreed to that. And we had these checklists of communities we could, you know, visit and, you know, go down the list of would we live here? Would we want to live here? What could we do for a living here? And that was the goal. That first year on the road was to travel around, find these beautiful places, you know, go from one to another, enjoying the ride along the way. But let's see, is this somewhere we want to live? And is this something we want to do? And that kind of went on and on. And we found that, you know, there's no ideal one place. It, approaching the, the road trip from that angle, which was to plan for our, our future and and look for these little niche businesses that we, we might want to start or cool communities, it felt a lot more responsible than just saying, hey, let's go on a road trip for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. A, a pretty responsible person, I like to think. And so I wanted it to be practical yet honor, honor Jerry and and have some fun along the way. Wow. So much of what you guys shared there. So I love how you pulled into Renee, like your journalism background that, like you said, you did some copy and different things, but it wasn't like your heart wasn't in it before. And I can tell you like reading your lessons learned on the road to happiness, I can absolutely feel your heartbeat. Like when I was reading and reflecting. Yeah. A thousand percent. When Jim mentioned that, you know, you wrote it and I was like, okay, cool. Do both of your voices or do one, like whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, it's always like a freedom factor. And also just the joy, the joy, you could feel the joy, like the giddiness or just the other comments you made. And I love how you talked about that, you know, you reframed your mind. And I think that's what a lot of people need, whether it's, you know, in the external circumstances, some people have now or others that may come that life may hit you. 
you know, what can we do in a month, in two months, in six months? Because at the end of the day, all we have is the time that we have here on the planet, right? And you guys started asking those questions, do what you always want to do. And you embrace the unknown. And I think especially like so many of us, we've gotten, and this was definitely my old story when I was in corporate years ago, you get so married to the known Mm -hmm. and almost like that's all there is. And I can't change, or I have these bills or I have this, or I have that. And it's like, no, actually you don't. And actually you can pivot and you can change and you can start to embrace the unknown. And I love that you talked about that you were a hair and makeup girl and now you're both like hippie granola types. (laughs) (laughs) Like that keeps making me laugh because I can imagine like Jim, like you were, you know, working in marketing and trade shows. So I can also like imagine that as well. Cause you know, being in corporate and, and several different industries, but like, you know, I think many of us grew up as hair and makeup girls or professionals, you know, in like whatever industry I worked in in corporate, my last full-time corporate role, I was working, you know, as a chief audit executive in black suit wow. in yeah, in boardrooms with a whole bunch of old white men. No offense to old white men. <laughs> no offense at all. But you can imagine like, you know, Jim and Renee, we've now connected, you know, over several emails over, you know, the episode before and now this one, that's not the first thing that people think when they talk to me now at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sure you didn't imagine yourself when you were a little kid. What do I want to be when I grow up? Well, I want to wear a black suit and be in a boardroom. That's probably not what you envisioned. (laughs) Not at all. And to your point, it's funny that you say that because what I remind myself, this has actually been coming to my mind a lot this year lately. And I think it has to do with the word um, that, you know, I picked for this year, joy. So what I keep like a lot of times when I close my eyes, I imagine and and now I can truthfully say, you know, through the transformation over the last seven years, like I literally live, you know, an amazing life every day. Is it easy? No. Is there practical things to consider all the time? Like exactly what you're sharing, you know, with the business and shifting and like Jim shared that he had, you had the money but you didn't feel excited or in love with what you were doing. And, you know, like you shared, Renee, you put together, you know, the budget and the plan and the sabbatical. There's always pain in the transition, you know, the pain to the purpose. Or there's always when you grow like different things. But the picture I have in my mind a lot lately is when I traveled with my mom when I was six years old to Bulgaria. She was pregnant over seven months with my brother traveling overseas. So she clearly debunked the myth of being at home when you travel completely. And I distinctly remember one particular memory when we went to Bulgaria for a week to visit my grandma and my great grandparents. And I would fearlessly run downstairs to the playground, hair tangled, wearing whatever colors I wanted, which I wear all the time now, (laughs) pink, blue, and green. I totally relate to the hippie granola type. And I would play with everyone. And and it didn't matter that I didn't even speak the language at the time. That's cool. That is really cool. So I totally relate to the hippie granola type. And I can imagine like your family being amazed at how you transitioned because trust me, I've had the same conversations, I'm sure, with my family too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when you break away from convention, um, people look twice at you and they, they're suspicious. They're like, what's wrong with you? Are you having a midlife crisis? And well, we were, we were pretty young at the time. So no, we did not have a midlife crisis. We just had a wake up call and we, 
it came in the form of, of Jerry's cancer. Mm-hmm. And I love that you talked about that you started to wonder what are people going to think, but then ultimately you decided, you know what? I don't care what people are going to think. This is my life. This is our lives. This is what we're going to do for us and for Jerry. So talk about your time with Jerry. Once you guys, you sell everything, you set up the budget, the plan, you get the RV, the time that you had and how that started to transition into the community and how his legacy lives on. Sure. Well, we sold the business and the house in uh, in six months, pretty much. And that was the hardest and most fast-paced time that we had over the previous 10 years. I mean, it was insane. We're trying to beat the clock with Jerry's cancer and, and get him on the road before that comes back. And, and we're dealing with this transition out of the business. And it was brutal. It was it was brutal for both of us. But we saw the big picture and we're like, okay, if we can just, even if Jerry's only on the road for a month, it'll Mm -hmm. be so worth it. It'll be so worth Mm -hmm. it. And I will never forget the day that we handed the keys over to the the new business owner. She bought the the building, which had our our living quarters upstairs and the business downstairs. It was a live workspace. And Mm -hmm. um, we handed the keys to her and we walked over to the truck. We got inside, we pulled away and looked at each other and just laughed hysterically. It was like we this huge sense of relief. We couldn't believe we pulled this off. Oh my God. And literally there was like this wide open road ahead and we had no idea what was going to happen, but we just knew that we were on the right path. We had a real kind of rough schedule planned out. I mean, Deep in our minds, we knew we were living on borrowed time with Jerry, but we lived near the ocean and we wanted to get to the Atlantic coast to see him play in the Atlantic ocean. And we wanted to get up to Maine by fall. Mm -hmm. And we had left on June 2nd. So we went through the Great Lakes region. We went through the, you know, Grand Canyon area. We waited all, we just took our time rambling around the country and we made it to Maine by the fall and we got to see him play in the Atlantic and he was still showing no signs whatsoever of any sort of sickness. And I think it was partially the lifestyle that helped contribute to his longevity. Every day was a new adventure and every day we were going to go do something new and exciting and explore. And I think that helped him and Mm -hmm. us kind of come to terms with what really matters in life. And we started to kind of follow his lead. And we ended up going down the coast to Florida and spent some time on a farm in Florida because we had budgeted for a year off. And we were now, you know, past that year point and we were just kind of burning through our savings. Mm-hmm. And we had learned the importance of, you know, staying debt free. We had paid off for the RV and we were just kind of burning our money, but enjoying every day to the fullest. And in the meantime, we had started this little blog to all I wanted to do was share the, with the world how awesome Jerry was doing on three legs and share videos of him playing at Devil's Tower and, um, you know, running in the ocean and playing and swimming in the lakes. And people started emailing us daily, mm-hmm. lots of emails asking us about their dogs and their types of cancer or, or it wasn't cancer. And we only had this one type of dog with one sort of cancer. So I installed discussion forums on Jerry's website. Mm-hmm. And that's when the community was born. We provided a platform for people to talk to each other about their own dogs, share their success stories. Um, 
And it kind of grew organically from there. After that, I installed a live chat room. So any time of day, members could jump in there and, you know, share their experiences. But Renee and I, from the beginning, this wasn't, we didn't think it was going to be our business. We'd mm-hmm. never wanted to charge people for this sort of information and access because we never wanted anyone to ever feel alone and lost again when going through what we went through. So while the website was growing, so was the expenses and hosting and that sort of thing. And Renee was starting to develop content for the site, but we weren't making any money off of it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we kind of reached out to um, some manufacturers and, you know, we had tested some products with Jerry. So I developed some um, dropship relationships with different harness manufacturers. And one of them said, oh, well, you got to sell at least, you know, 12 a year to be able to maintain your program. And I was scared. I was like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. We got a pretty small niche with our, you know, three-legged dog blog. And mm-hmm. the very next day we had our first sale and it, and it, and it followed from there. So wow. we started to realize, you know, this could be our business. No, we don't want to charge people, but we operate on the freemium business model. So we offer all sorts of free resources and information and then premium value added services through eBooks. You can download for fast answers. Or once I started the blog network, we now host more than 1500 three-legged dog and cat blogs, absolutely free. They'll have some ads mm-hmm. on it. If you want to pay a little bit per year, the ads go away. So all of these little multiple different revenue streams started to help us realize that, yeah, this could be our business. But that that all happened over the course of, of a number of years. Um, yes. Most of it happened after Jerry passed away. So mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he did end up um, <laughs> he did end up uh, dying from the, the cancer. But um, when we started growing the community, it was just as a way to kind of manage the the traffic that was coming in and, and help people. Mm-hmm. And we saw mm-hmm. it, it felt really good to be able to help mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. and know that somebody out there didn't feel alone anymore. But we were also trying to balance the time that we had left with Jerry. Once he he did pass away, we had been on the road for two years. It was the most incredible two years of our life. And when he left us, we just we felt like, oh my God can, can we do this? Can we, can we keep this community if we don't have Jerry with us? What, what are we going to do? And then one day a member asked Jim and she said, are you guys going to keep tripods going? And he said, of course, (laughs) like he knew, he knew Mm -hmm. right away that this was a, a, a thing that was more than a website. It was more than a business. It was it was a community of people helping one another. And mm-hmm. never in a million years did we expect that to turn into something that would bring a little bit of income in, but more importantly, it would enhance our lives in so many ways. Um, we we just figured it out as we went. And as Jim started to say, hey, what do you think about an ebook? Maybe that could you know, pay for some of the hosting costs. And I was like, yeah, sure. We didn't have a concrete plan and it went totally against everything that we did with our first business. Our first business, you know, we had an SBA loan. So we had to come up with all these, you know, hard forecasts and business plan, a business plan. And we had, you know, three years of projections and we were so by the book with the first business and with tripods, it just really happened organically. And that made me a little bit uncomfortable when I looked back at what we were doing, but at the same time, it just felt right. It was what we were supposed to be doing. It had become fulfilling. 
and and we just kind of realized, you know, this is our purpose. This is actually Mm -hmm. making us live fulfilled and be able to help other people. So let's make it work and make it Mm self-sustainable. I love so much of what you guys said there. So number one, I was picturing you guys laughing hysterically after you handed over the keys and the childlike excitement and all the joy that you had there. And, um, you know, making things happen. And like you said, Jim, every day is an adventure. And I completely agree with you on the lifestyle longevity. Like what popped in my head when you were sharing that was I can imagine if you would have made the decision to stay at home, you know, with Jerry and just, you know, maybe have some short term trips. Um, he, I don't think he would have lasted as long. And I, in the, the transformation that happened inside of both of you you know, as far as that's, you know, miraculous and amazing and just like the shifts in your own life and your own lifestyle. And then your joy for sharing, you know, with the world, Jerry, as you know, he was having his own adventure and sharing that to spread light and love into the world. And I love what you said, Renee, that it was, you know, the most incredible two years of your lives because it it was literally like opening you up to a whole new world. You know, I met like I remember Aladdin, you know, the song like the whole new world, like literally that's like the movie song that was playing in my brain. And people started emailing that the platform organically grew. And I like I think it's super important for everyone to realize and know that it is, you know, like you said, it did not happen overnight. It was a passion project. It was purpose-driven. It didn't happen overnight. You didn't make money your first goal. You didn't focus on the SBA loan, the business plan, reviewing it daily or any of that, that you completely trusted your intuition. You trusted how things were developing. And it reminded me, Renee, you said this in the Lessons Learned episode two, like the everything is figure outable, Marie Forleo. I love that book. It's such a great book. And I resonate very deeply with you guys on that. Also being a previous OCD control freak, (laughs) like legit walking through, you know, all the schooling, all the degrees, you know, the corporations, this is the plan you do. And of course, not every company and corporation functions that way. However, many of them do from a control aspect and, oh, our quarterly earnings or this, that, and the other. And of course, if you're borrowing money and especially the SBA, which I haven't done, but I used to mentor for them. So I'm familiar with it, you know, that, well, you have to meet this criteria. You have to do this. You have to do that. And while structure can, is a good thing, like I'm not saying structure is a negative thing at all. Like I definitely follow structure on a daily basis, you know, to, you know, be aligned in different things. But at the same time, it's so important to be intuitive and listen. Like even when you guys emailed me, I was like, I've never, we've never had a couple that does things, you know, with, you know, pursuing what they love, but also with, you know, tripods and three-legged dogs and, and cats. But I always tell people like, you're, if it's a passion and a purpose, you will allow that baby, that community to grow in ways you never imagined. Like I didn't imagine a year ago or three years ago, I'm going to meet a Renee and a Jim and they've lost a dog to cancer and they're inspiring the world through, you know, helping other people in the same aspect and it's lighting their souls up. But immediately when I read your story, I was like, oh my God, this is so inspirational. Oh, thank thank you. you. And if you would have asked me, you know, 15 years ago, if I would be, you know, 
living on the road, enjoying life every day by managing a website about three-legged cats and dogs, I would have laughed out loud in your face. Exactly. I would have told you you were bat crazy, like completely. Yeah. If you- <laughs> Maybe we are. But here we are. <laughs> I, I think it takes a little bit of crazy to live the life that you want to live mm-hmm. because... And I honestly don't think it's crazy. I think the other way of life is crazy. The, the way yeah. of life where people do what's expected of them and never break from convention. That yeah. is crazy to me. Well, I think our life is perfectly normal. But I just wanted to say, you said something important about how, you know, everyone has this craziness within them to pursue their passion, but um, we often don't see it. And what I want to say is you don't have to wait for your dog to get cancer or the loss of a loved one or a worldwide pandemic Mm -hmm. to, you know, open your eyes. You just need to look within and make it so. 1000%. Um, I love what you said, Renee, about that it's insanity actually to continue to be suppressed and oppressed. Um, and to live in convention when your soul is literally crying out for different things and your mind and your body and everything. And I'm, of course, reminded of the movie, The Matrix, you know, take the red pill or the blue pill, like which mm-hmm. pill are you going to take type thing. Um, and then for me, a lot of it was a relationship being closer and closer with faith. But it was also my best friend um, who became, who was like a sister to me. She got sick with cancer in 2013. It was signet ring cell carcinoma, which was also oh. a yeah, rare cancer. And of course, I'm a, you know, just like you guys were, I'm a believer in miracles. Things can happen. Things can shift, all kinds of things. Um, but when I looked at the practical information, that type of cancer, which I had never heard of, I've done a lot of things with charity and cancer, like with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, but I had never heard of that cancer and, and working at an oncologist in high school, never heard of it. So I knew it was very rare. And when I looked at the research, 96% of people pass away from it in three years or less. Oh, wow. So I knew. And I did a triathlon in her honor. And I made sure I went and visited her like within two, three weeks of her being diagnosed, which I am very grateful because um, I wouldn't have seen her otherwise because she didn't even make it till Christmas that year. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh my gosh. You. Janelle, absolutely. We met in college and my best friend, Angela, and we started nonprofits together. We um, ended up traveling. We traveled the world together. We started businesses together. Angela and Lindsay and I are still very close. And I always talk about Janelle, like she's my, you know, she's my angel. And I'm sure you guys talk about Jerry all the time, obviously. And um, what woke me up then when she got diagnosed with cancer is like one, so you talked about Oprah. So it's funny how our stories are intertwined. Janelle always told me, Renee, in college, and I talk about this a lot on the show and in features, she always told me in college, you know, and this is what's really funny. I'm white for those of you listening. So, you know, and Janelle was African-American. Okay. Yet she would always tell me, Katrina, you're going to be like my Oprah and I'm going to be your Gail. And I'm like, Janelle, like this is hilarious. You're black, I'm white, and you're like reverse. She's like, I don't care. And so when she passed away, I started asking myself, like, Katrina, are you really living out your full passion and purpose? Really? Like, are you really that girl that Janelle used to say that to in college? Or have you lost pieces of her along the way? Or did you allow the world to talk down to you, to suppress you, to oppress you, to make things only about money, about the external? And I faced as obviously you guys have too, 
a lot of humbling wake up calls about the choices I made for a really long time until Janelle woke me up. And obviously in your case, Jerry woke you up. He did. He did. And it was, it was a not, it was not a way that I'd ever expected yeah. to, to be enlightened or I, you know, I, I wasn't into the whole woo woo or any of that when, mm-hmm. um, when Jerry got sick, but Along the way, he just, he brought us out into the world and allowed us to experience things that made us better people. Like he, Mm -hmm. he entered, everybody wanted to meet him. Who's this dog with three legs? Oh my gosh, what's his story? And we had a chance to connect with people that we never would have connected with. And all of those experiences added up to the way we now approach our tripods community, which is we, we don't judge. There's a million ways that people can treat their pets cancer and whatever they choose, it's their choice. It's their story. And we will honor that and respect it and not judge. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest compliments that we get from our members is there's no judgment here. There's no drama. Mm -hmm. It's not like other communities online. It's not like Facebook. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of this unspoken rule. We've never even had to come out and say it. But I think that energy that we put out that that Mm -hmm. Jerry taught us to to give to the world translates over and over again to people who come to us in need of help. I love that. Um, Two things I wanted to ask you along those lines. Speaking of that, um, I love Jerry's motto. It's better to hop on three legs than to limp on four. And so obviously, like you've highlighted, you've reached, Jerry's reached, and you've reached more one, Jerry helped you find your legs. Two, he's helped you reach more people with three legs than he ever could have with four. Um, I'm reminded of that movie of the surfer that lost her arm when a shark bit mm-hmm. her. And she said something very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or Bethany, 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 and, yeah, Bethany Clark. Yeah. Yeah, she has a, like immediately that came to mind. So as you think about that, like the lessons you've learned along the way, and then also like your community, like you've talked about, like how have you guys changed and those lessons? And then how do you manage your community? Like you talked about the chat, you talked about, you know, the blog, like, you know, what does that look like on a day by day basis? And then how are you living out that purpose and that motto daily? Sure. There, there's a lot there, but it goes back to, you know, the saying, it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four, because that's what we were doing. We were kind of limping along on, you know, one of our bum legs because it was, it, it was missing. There was something missing in our life. So once we got rid of that dead weight, we were able to hop along at a quicker pace and be rid of the pain. And by by doing that, it opened our eyes to purpose, like you said. And that's, I think, the most important thing for any personal or entrepreneurial journey is to ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. When it came down to Jerry's amputation, it was to get rid of the pain and improve the quality of life. And in the same sense, we were doing that with our business. We got rid of the pain of the daily grind for someone else or for the money, and we focused on serving others. And we are Mm -hmm. serving them by providing a safe place for them to talk with no politics and no Mm -hmm. judgment in the forums. And then the next thing became a chat room. And then the next thing became the, the blog network. And how we manage that is we divide our 
our talents and services and expertise between Renee and I. I mean, Tripods mm -hmm. is the two of us. Um, there's very rarely times when we outsource certain things, but there are the two of us that do all of this. So she focuses on content development and she is the writer and the editor and the chief you know, content producer. I focus more on the technical side of things. I, I learned quickly to become an expert in hosting and, and WordPress. And, you know, I have the graphic and marketing expertise, but I threw my efforts into making sure everything works. Renee provides valuable information. Together, we, we wrote the book and we produce the videos and the video interviews and the Tripod Talk Radio podcast. So it's just a matter of kind of, you know, doing what you do best and delineating and being able to let go of things that other people can do better. It's mm -hmm. still a lot of work. And I, I, I don't even like to call it work, though. Um, because yeah, it, it does get, it, it, we have our exhausting days sometimes, but because we're doing it from a place of love, it doesn't feel like a job and it doesn't feel anything like our last business. We were self-employed then and we liked that freedom, but we still felt like it was a job in a lot of, and we even called them their jobs from clients. You know, mm -hmm. this is not a job. It's, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's healing. It's healing for us. It's healing for the people who come to us. And if I'm like last night, I was on the, in the chat room until eight o'clock with a member whose dog is about to pass away. And mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. to be able to be there for her and, and kind of walk her through what, what to ask her vet and, and what to expect. I mean, it just felt so good. And on those long days, I might go to bed completely exhausted, but it feels good. It's not in a mm -hmm. negative way at all. And in the meantime, we're also trying to balance our need to earn a living with Wyatt. We have a new three-legged dog and he, um, you know, he, he needs us too. So it's, a, it's, we're still juggling. We don't have it perfect, but we try every day. And because Jerry taught us how to be more aware of, of the life around us instead of what's on our computer screen, it's a priority. It's a priority. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, we fail and sometimes we succeed, but every day we just keep trying just like he did. Mm -hmm. I love what you guys talked about with, um, like you said, knowing your strengths and weaknesses and where you shine and where you want to shine and truly functioning as compliments. I think that's amazing. Um, from, you know, that aspect. And like you said, Renee, taking it day by day, and then what really, really resonates for me also, all of it does, but really deeply is the place of love. Like for me, like every single thing that I, you know, touch or want to create or produce, it's like, okay, how can I create this experience of love? And you definitely hit on that because it comes from a very different space than when, oh, I'm doing this project or this content or this job and I don't really love it, but I'm doing it because it's paying me money. Mm-hmm. Versus I love it and let, you know, Hey, if this happens, if this, if I love it and this isn't this moment, like you said, that moment with that, you know, young lady where she's about to lose, you know, her best friend is priceless and you know that firsthand. So of course she knows that you relate and that connection and that community and that relatability is massive. And, you know, versus when you are doing something and you're creating from a space of love and, oh, you do happen to be paid. That money is received with a whole different energy than frustration and lack and judgment. And, you know, and like you guys talked about having a no judgment zone, 
I think is also very important. You know, we all believe, have different, you know, beliefs or different journeys, or we've walked through different things. And when you realize like, hey, I haven't walked in Renee's and Jim's shoes and I haven't walked in anyone else's shoes, but my own. Mm -hmm. And who am I to judge anyone else's journey? Because actually maybe if I walked in their journey, I'd be an even bigger mess than my own mess right now. (laughs) You know, we're all figuring it out day by day. So, so I love that. So speaking of which, what guidance would you guys give to people today in 2020 that are walking through illness, through industry shutdown, through safety concerns, through loss, through financial woes, you know, all these different things that obviously you've walked through, you know, over the last several years in different ways. Um, what, you know, anything else beyond what you've mentioned or re-emphasizing a point, just anything else? Sure. You know, I, I want to start by saying that I don't want to trivialize what anybody is going through right now. I know that times are so hard for people out there and all of us have our own, our own issues related to the the pandemic and the lockdown and, and not knowing what the future holds. Some of us are more comfortable with that than others. Um, my best advice to anybody right now is to remember that even right now, even when things just look completely hopeless or scary, we can choose how we respond to our fears about the unknown. We can choose to respond to how, how we respond to the news that we got laid off. Um, that choice is the only thing that we have control over right now. And how you end up making that response, what, what your response is going to be is going to affect not just what's in your heart, but everybody around you. And there's a really great quote that I love by Viktor Frankl. And it is, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to change if we cannot change the situation. And for somebody like me, I, I am a hothead by nature. I am. I fly off the handle. I used to a lot. Mm-hmm. But over the last 25 years or so, I've just learned that that doesn't do any good. And I'm not always perfect at remembering that I have a choice and how I'm going to respond to whatever, how Jim says something to me or, or you know, my dog poops on the floor or whatever. I mean, I just, I have to remember that. So we can't control the situation and we can control our reaction. It's all we've got right now. And one of my favorite sayings that I've been saying a lot lately is the situation is the boss. And I heard I heard it on this documentary and this guy said the situation is the boss. And now when things just look like they're totally going to suck, Jim and I remind each other of that. I love that saying. <laughs> so if we can remember that and we choose our reaction wisely, everything feels just a little bit better. Everything. Mm-hmm. And if we choose poorly, everything's going to suck. It's up to us. I think that's so important. And and what Renee said about um, it, it's all about how we react. But a lot of listeners may be saying, great, how? How how do you, you know, if, if the situation is the boss, how do you control that? And how do you change your reaction to the situation? And there's another quote by Victor Crankle that I will just butcher and and paraphrase, which is basically... There's a crack where the light comes in and there's a sliver of hope in everything. And through that crack is where 
the light comes in and makes any darkness a brighter place. So find that crack. For us, it was our dog getting cancer and losing a leg. And over the time, it opened our eyes to such brightness in our life. So it's a matter of, you know, we can't control the situation, which is the boss, but we can control how we react to our Mm -hmm. boss. Like if you're living the default life and you hate your boss, find that crack where the light shines in and squeeze your way through it to the lightness. Yes. And it is a squeeze. So amazing. How are you guys focusing? So obviously you're not on the road right now. So how are you guys focusing or pivoting or enjoying where you are right now with presence and purpose and casting and creating vision or things in your community? Like what are some of the practical things you guys are doing? So one thing we're doing is um, understanding that a lot of people, their worlds have been turned upside down and they've been thrown into, you know, social distancing. And, you know, we host a platform that encourages social engagement. So I've discovered that, you know, I've been telling people on social media and everywhere, now more than ever, we need to remain socially engaged while practicing safe physical distancing. And even the CDC says we want to call it physical distancing because people do need that social connection, especially our audience who's already dealing with you know a crisis in their own life. And then along comes a global pandemic to make matters worse because they can't go in the vet with their dog. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what we're doing is, you know, taking that a step further. We've just finally, after how many years now, Renee, of not wanting to be on camera, we're now doing, <laughs> we just uh, did our first live webinar for people where there was, you know, an hour with Tripods founders, Jim and Renee, and we had, you know, 30 people sign up and come and learn, you know, the best recovery and care tips for amputation. We oh, started doing... Thank you. Yeah. And that stemmed from about a month or two now we've been doing tripod Tuesday live on Facebook. So it's a Facebook live feed about you know what's going on in the community this week, because we do a thing in our tripods news blog about tripods Tuesday, where mm-hmm. tripod Tuesday, where we feature a certain tripod. So now we started doing a tripod Tuesday live. Oh, that's awesome. So I love that you're featuring because obviously you guys know, clearly this is near and dear to my heart to feature communities all around the world and just amazing things that people are doing. And so I love that you are taking on your, your active community and featuring them and their story. That's amazing. And I'm sure it gives people hope and uplifting and everything. Yeah, it does. The video element really created a whole new level of love among the members. I mean, for them to get to see each other right there in the moment and, and talk to mm-hmm. one another, it was really interesting. And I, I regret now that we had waited so long to do it. And it wasn't so much out of a an ego thing where oh, I don't want to be on camera. I hate being on camera. It was more like, I don't want the focus to be on us. I wanted it to be on the mm-hmm. community. So mm-hmm. when we were able to put that Zoom feature together and have everybody in the same room at the same time, it was it was amazing. It, it opened up a whole new door for us. No, it's amazing. And to your point, it's still the community. You're just the carriers or the vessels of the message. Like you're the ones that started the community. So you're just in a sense, the leader, you know, that's hosting sometimes. No, I totally resonate with that as well. It's, it's keeping the focus on the service and on the value while still being quote unquote, the host, so to speak. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like we say, you know, it's, it's about the dogs and the cats. It's not, <laughs> it's not about us. <laughs> the dogs and the cats rule. And we've always been behind the scenes. I'm the wizard behind the curtain that keeps it all going. So, you know, we, we've realized from the feedback that people do like putting a face to yes. the founders. No, absolutely. And I can tell you that a thousand percent. And obviously like you've been in marketing gym, so you see how marketing has dramatically shifted over the last decade or 20 years. Mm-hmm. People more yes. and more, I can tell you. Um, so a thousand percent, like I, I almost feel like it's weird. I feel like I'm more connected now than ever. Like I, you know, today I'm on two, you know, this, two, three other community things involved in travel, online communities, like more than ever. And I think that's, you know, super important. And then also hosting our own things, obviously. But I've learned and realized that more and more people in, you know, in the social media, obviously has a great deal to do with this and influencer marketing and features like this and podcasts, obviously the whole explosion of podcasts over the last decade, people more than ever want to know the face and the voice behind the business because they, you know, people care more than ever, like, is your passion and purpose aligned? And are you living out in integrity what you share? So I think that's definitely what you guys are experiencing. And I won't surprise me if it continues to explode even more as you guys continue to do features and Zooms and webinars and all of that. Oh, thanks. Well, that's that's one of our goals for sure this year. And and I'm still, every day, you know, I, I, I ask myself, is this really happening? Are we really in this <laughs> pandemic? This is so weird. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm trying to remember that this is a chance for us to reevaluate everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. not just me and Jim, but everybody out there, all of us, this is a a pause button. This is a chance for us to ask ourselves, are we having the life that we envisioned? And if Mm -hmm. not, what can we do to, to get back on track to getting that life? No, absolutely. To create it. I love that. Um, no, it is absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not just a pause. Like for you, it was a pause for you guys, like with Jerry, right. And then with every single community member, obviously it reminds you, you know, for me, it was with Janelle and then helping people create what they love and every, you know, community aspect of that. But then, you know, for now we have a global pause to where everyone is faced with that question, you know, is, am I really living out? Because, I mean, let's be real, a lot of people before the pandemic didn't like or enjoy their life at all. Yep. yep. So, I mean, to me, it's like you said, a lot of times blessings can come through pain. And some of my best moments or best lessons were through not having money, not earning money, and then being forced to create or not being forced, being led to create what I love and then saying, no, this is first then let me trust and let me focus on passion and purpose first and then make money second, third, fourth, fifth. Because so I true. And I, I, what I always recall is something Deepak Chopra said long ago where he said, do what you love and you'll yes. be good at it. The money will follow. Yes. A thousand percent. Like passion, purpose. I always say passion, purpose, people, then profits. So along those lines, what is the vision of tripods, live, work, dream, uh, be more dog, all the different things you guys have your hands in? Like what, and obviously you're, like you said, you listen to the community, you respond, you're pivoting, but anything else that you want to share on where you believe the community and the vision is headed? Sure. Well, Live, Work, Dream is, uh, for, for anybody who uh, didn't catch the links in, in our um, our blog post, um, Live, Work, Dream is our travel blog. And it's um, where we 
post about what we've been doing and and where we've traveled and things like that. And that's just kind of in in self maintenance mode right now. We um we like to share our adventure stories or different parts of this lifestyle there. But our main focus is on tripods, and we started a tripods foundation, a five hundred one c three charity a few years ago. And right now the focus is on creating that foundation so that it becomes a so that it basically outlives us so that it will last when we are no longer here and my one of my big goals is to fund some different studies about animal amputees find ways to help the veterinary community understand the impact of life on three legs cuz animals can get around fine without three legs but there are things that help make their lives better mm-hmm. um we also want to keep helping people with amputation surgery costs. So our foundation has a very small grant to help economically distressed people who cannot pay for surgery. We want to make that a permanent endowment so that we it'll always be there. And um, basically, we just we kind of want to get things to the point where we don't have to work mm-hmm. to make money, but we want to <laughs> because speaking speaking of which one of the things Renee's not mentioning is that she loves to make jewelry and through <laughs> our tripods gift shop and her Etsy store she makes you know customized metal stamped jewelry and urn charms and dog tags and Woo-hoo! you know she's focusing on Thank you. doing more of that because it is something that she truly gets joy out of more than writing but something you know, has to give when the bills need still need to be paid. I love that. But to your point, now that you're not on the road, also that allots more time for more creation of different things at home, be it content, be it jewelry, be it so many different things. But that's awesome. So multi Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we tend to have a lot of things in the air at one time, but they all lead back to tripods. Yes. And while she's doing that, I'm focusing my efforts on Be More Dog. That, I mean, our book was literally 20 years in the making, and we're quickly discovering that marketing and promoting a book is as challenging as writing it. <laughs> Absolutely. If you are, I was going to say, I'm sure, or I don't know if you are yet. Um, there's different Facebook communities for writers that can help promote different platforms. Social media influencer marketing is another way. That's something mm-hmm. that's playing and dabbling in now in testing, you know, from every direction. Because as you know, Jim, like marketing, just like anything else, you're always testing and figuring out, like, does this work? Does this not work? Does this work in this group? Does this not work in this group? So you're, you know, literally exactly. figuring out. All the things we are doing that. Yes, like Renee said in the original lesson, or in the lessons learned on the road to happiness, everything is outable, The Marie Forleo quote. So I totally absolutely we're figuring it out on a daily basis, just like Jerry did. Yes, absolutely. So, anything else that you guys want to add, and or where they can find you guys? Which, of course, we're going to include all the links, but anything you want to mention as well. Sure, I certainly appreciate that. Um, BeMoreDog.net is where we're sharing excerpts of the book and videos of the book and photos. And of course, the book is available there in ebook and all the different formats. You can find it on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. But we have a blog going there that kind of shows behind the scenes. And I'll, I'll post a little excerpt of the book and recently shared, you know, 
pictures of Jerry doing his job as CFO going on hiking trips. So that's at bemoredog.net. But we want everyone listening to remember tripods.com. And that's spelled with a paw in the middle, P-A-W, tripods.com and tripods.org, O-R-G. Because at tripods.com, there's just resources for anyone facing amputation for their cat or dog, videos, podcasts, Everything, everything you'd ever need to know for care and, recare, care and recovery. And then at tripods.org is where we're helping reimburse for surgery costs and um, free rehab for anyone with a three-legged animal. And Renee downplays live, work, dream, but it is what we do on a daily basis. We are living the dream <laughs> work life. Absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. It's been so inspirational, reminded me of so many things. I'm sure the listeners, whoever listens to this, will absolutely love the episode and have them gain a new perspective on what they may be walking through whenever this episode finds them. Because in every single way, this has been an is and has been and will be unexpected inspiration and how that fuels both of your passions and influence. Oh, thank you, Katrina. It is so nice to chat with you. And I just, I love the way you speak from the heart and you are a fantastic listener. Thank you so much for having us. Oh my God. And thank God. you for letting us share. Thank you. You just made, oh my God. So Renee, you just, <laughs> you just gave <laughs> such an unexpected blessing. Wow. So side note, this is related to something you said, and I'm actually going to cut it. Actually, I can keep it here because it's totally authentic. Um, how you talked about being a hothead. I used to be such a hothead, like for years. My family loved my parents. They're amazing. They did a lot of amazing things. However, I also picked up some things like all of us that I did not want to pick up. Um, mm -hmm. My dad can be a hothead. Love him. He's loyal, generous, passionate, amazing. However, he can be a hothead. I picked up that skill from him and or not so awesome traits sometimes. And over the last seven years, that's radically changed. But then also what you said about listening, I used to be like such a not a good listener. Like I was in college and I was as a child, but I feel like in corporate and like the rush, 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 go, 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 get things done, get the results, make the money, all the things turn me into not as great of a listener. So for the last like seven years, but really for the last three I've been working so diligently to be a really good listener. So like you saying that Aww. made my day, if not my week and my month, because you didn't just say I was a good listener. You were like, I'm, you're a fantastic listener. Thank I, you. I mean it with all my heart. You, you're fantastic. I, I mean, you, you really tune into what people say and it's, it's really appreciated. Thank you. It means so much because I realize at the end of the day, we all have a deep, deep desire to be seen, known, and heard. And many of us, that ties to deep childhood wounds. So that is part of my purpose to really have people feel seen, known, and heard. So that means so much to me. Thank you. Ah, uh, you no, bet. thank you. You're Where doing we a great talk job. all the things on faith, wellness, money, marketing, business, and travel, so you create a life and business already. Head on over to the blog, the podcast, and the freebies to jumpstart your transformation. If you're ready to dive into the online courses, the live events, or the retreat, and if you want to create with our community on an even deeper level, definitely check out our internships, our influencer collaborations, 
management and brand engagement. Let's create it.